mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 67 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, powered by Audio-Technica. I'm your host, John O'Peck. Today's guest, a very talented man, Anthony Ingruber. We'll get to him soon. But first, the iTunes review of the week goes to Cruise Dog, who says, solid five out of seven podcast, but he did give me five stars. It says, putting in work is one of the best podcasts I've heard. Great original content. Thanks very much for those very kind words. Now, Anthony Ingruber, if you don't know, uh, is probably best known for playing the Joker or John Doe in Telltale's latest video game, uh, Batman. He features very heavily in season two, which wrapped up earlier this year, and he gave an amazing performance as this character. We all know as the Joker, but really this version of the Joker is one that we haven't seen before, and it's a new take on him that Anthony really just brought to life in an incredible way. We'll get into that and what inspired his particular take on the Joker. But I first came across Anthony as an impressionist on YouTube years ago. I just stumbled across his impressions of Harrison Ford and Sean Connery in a Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade scene that he was portraying. Uh, I thought it was uncanny. He's probably the best Harrison Ford impersonation I've seen. And it's that impersonation that led him to be cast as a young Harrison Ford in the film Age of Adeline a couple years ago. So this interview is very much talking about, you know, those experiences of growing up, doing impressions of these people that he admired, and then later the opportunity to meet Harrison and meet Troy Baker and work with these people on different projects and, you know, what comes next. Because as much as Anthony's done some really awesome stuff, he's still very young in his acting career, still trying to get his name out there and continue to build up on what's already an impressive resume as far as I'm concerned. This is probably one of the more fascinating interviews I've done. Uh, Anthony's had a really interesting life, which you'll hear about in a second. We also wrapped up the conversation with a short discussion about why my favorite film, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, is such a brilliant movie. There are no spoilers for Telltale's Batman beyond what you would have seen in a trailer or something, so don't worry about that if that's a concern. And here is Anthony, enjoy the show. Thank you for joining me, Anthony. It's awesome to have you on the show. Hi, man. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Uh, I've never been to Holland. How, how is it this time of year? Uh, it's getting very warm out of nowhere. It was raining for months, and then the next day, it's like, oh, let's go to the beach. Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> you're, a, you're a very well-traveled man. Have you spent much time there before? Uh, in Holland? Well, I've been here for uh, about four years. My mom's actually Dutch, so right. a, lot of my, a lot of my family's here. So yeah. Okay. See, I just thought you were like shooting something there, but you actually like live there, right? Yeah, yeah. I live here, and then I, I go other places when I'm working. So. Sure. So people who know your name, they may know you from the Telltale Batman series that's just kind of wrapped up its second mm -hmm. season, uh, and that was amazing. <laughs> what have, have you got anything lined up or announced that you're working on next? Um, nothing that I can announce at the moment, but I have a few projects that are pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I've got a few irons in the fire. So <laughs> Excellent. Can you say whether it's uh, kind of voice acting that you're hoping to do more of, or is it kind of a mix of um, live action as well? Um, well, it's a mix of things, but there is a project that I just did. I don't really have a release date on it yet, but it's another voice acting job. And it's uh, another sort of, yeah, I really don't want to spoil it, but it's, a, yeah, it's, no, another, that's, that's it's cool. another like uh, comic book kind of character. And yeah, it's, it should be a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed uh, doing it. Excellent. That. I'm not going to uh, draw anything out of you, but I will just say that Telltale seems to use a lot of the same voice actors over and over. Just putting it out there, but hey, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so let's go back to the start. Uh, you've got a very interesting story. I've heard some of it before in previous interviews, but you grew up kind of moving around. Let's uh, hear how you kind of got into acting through that process as well, Anthony. Um, yeah, well, my dad was... He was an ambassador for the Australian government, um, and uh, that in turn, I mean, I was born in the Philippines um, because he was posted there, and then uh, I always spent at the most uh, three to five years in one country at a time uh, until I was in my early 20s, and that was a lot of fun and very rewarding in terms of, you know, seeing the world and expanding your sort of you know boundaries literally yeah. but uh it did mean it did mean uh having to uproot uh your life and trying to make as many new friends as possible and that process is always very difficult but for some reason i found that one of the constants in my life was film and uh you know doing voices and things i found at an early age i would just uh, mimic a lot of what i saw um 
you know, watching cartoons and TV and stuff and, and making my own with a camcorder or with my sister, just making our own radio shows and, you know, little films and stuff like that. And I just sort of found that as something that I enjoyed, but it never really occurred to me until I was about 17 that this was something I would really want to pursue. Um, because through high school and middle school, I would do impressions of actors that I grew up watching, like uh, Jack Nicholson and, of course, Harrison Ford. Um, and this was just a sort of you know, fun party trick that I used to make friends whenever I had to move. Um, so instead of being, you know, the awkward new kid, um, I would be the guy, you know, the funny guy who could do the voices, you know, and that was just really fun. But then I started, like, my mom actually had the idea to put the Harrison Ford impression on YouTube, and uh, it, it got a lot mm -hmm. of exposure. And um, I, I thought, you know, wow, this is pretty neat. And then uh, when I was 17, after I right before graduating high school in New Zealand, I was invited to stay, uh, uh, to visit, not stay, I was invited to visit uh, Weta Workshop in New Zealand, and uh, I met Richard Taylor, and he took us on a tour of the workshop, and I was, it was, for me, that was Disneyland, just seeing the amount of talent and, and craft yeah. that goes into making films, and that was really an eye-opener for me, and I thought, you know, I would love to be in this industry and work among these people because I just had so much respect for them and admiration for what they can do. And, uh, so they, they took me on as an intern and I was just, you know, mopping up and scrubbing the floors and stuff. And <laughs> I was loving it. But then, uh, I sort of showed a portfolio of, of drawings and I made a DVD of, um, my impressions and I gave them to Richard and he, he really enjoyed them. He's like, Oh, that's quite good, Anthony. You know, let's see what we can get for you. So they sort of upgraded me into like the makeup places and helping, uh, work on Avatar, which was at, at the time being in production. So I was able to, you know, I say I worked on it, but really I was just, you know, Oh, let me get that for you. You know? Um, yeah. but, but, uh, for me, it was amazing. I was just this dorky kid working among these people and, and, and seeing Stephen Lang walk around and, uh, you know, saying, Oh, I want to be an actor too. It was like, Oh, well, good for you. you know? it's, it's, it's very, uh, I was really trying to, you know, impress people over there. Um, but it was amazing. Did you get your name in the credits? Uh, no, I, maybe, I don't know. There's thousands of pages and pages of credits, but I do see myself in that film. I snuck on the set because they, they needed, nice. they needed extras. And uh, the cutoff age was 25 and I was 17. Like, okay, just try to look younger. And I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, right. we'll try to look a bit older. So, I, you know, and the, so I got onto the set, which was awesome. Uh, That's cool. You can at least say, you know, I made my film debut in Avatar, yeah. James Cameron's Avatar. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. In a sea of faces. <laughs> and from there, what was the what was the next step to actually kind of get started? Um, well, then uh, from there, it was just, uh, you know, acting school and in New Zealand and then... Uh, trying to get to LA uh, but I went to Toronto instead and I spent three years there uh, trying to make it as an actor but not really getting work you know I didn't really have anything uh, any experience or anything it was very difficult trying to just get work and so after three years my visa ran up and uh, I went home kind of disillusioned and thinking you know okay well dust yourself off and and try to you know, just keep going. Um, but then a couple months later, I got an email that uh, the director of Age of Adeline, Lee Tolan Krieger, had seen my YouTube videos because that was the thing that I was doing while I was in uh, Toronto, not getting work. I was pumping out uh, YouTube impressions and, and film reenactments to keep myself busy and sane and, you know, to stay creative. Uh, and he'd seen my Harrison Ford impression and they, they, they sent me an audition and I got the part. And so I, I was filming in Canada. So I was just, I was just forcibly ejected because my visa ran out. And then six months later, I was invited back to film this movie, which was amazing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Like, there's so much from what you said already that I want to unpack. So okay, maybe so. we'll go chronologically. That's good, though. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to know, like, do you think moving around and hearing all these different accents and that kind of thing, like, do you think that played into your interest in voices and imitation and that kind of thing? Oh, certainly. Um, it really. I mean, I my accent has changed, has run the gamut since I was a child you know uh, my sister also had a very filipino accent when she was there when she was three and then our accents just evolved into canadian and then dutch and then australian and then american when we went to cyprus and we stayed in an american school and now it, now it's a sort of mix of all of that 
Um, yeah, I but, did notice that before. <laughs> yeah, it, it dips. It still dips into Australian because I had a very thick Australian accent, and but it, it was something that I also adapted when I went back to Australia from the American school. I still had quite an American accent, but uh, to fit in, I just started you know, talking in a more Australian accent and, you know, trying to fit in and, and it worked. So, you know, I just, so that was something that I enjoyed and something that was, uh, yeah, that, that led to my fascination with accents as well. Just seeing all these expat kids that were my friends, uh, from a very young age and, and being exposed to these different voices was just something that was very interesting for me. Yeah. I'm really interested in accents as well. And I, I kind of wonder, like, the transition between accents like because you see some kids that grow up you know a country and they move and then they just adopt the new one straight away and then others mm-hmm. that just seem to hold on to it for their whole life so do you ever like question your own identity and when you're when you can notice that your accent is changing like who am i really <laughs> yeah that's a thing i was i was always saying you know my passport says dutch australian but i've never lived in this country long enough to identify as either you know i've i i don't Mm. if people say where you're from i always say the country that i'm not in so if i'm in australia i say oh i'm canadian you know fuck right yeah Yeah. i'll I'll just say that because i don't have the cultural identity to really fit in like i don't feel like i don't feel dutch i don't feel australian i don't feel canadian so i feel i don't know it's very yeah it is a bit of a you know (laughs) <laughs> metaphysical question who am i you know but, but yeah. really i don't i don't know man yeah. it sounds like a very like actory thing to say like oh I'm, every role i'm trying just to find myself it's a, yeah the daniel day lewis thing <laughs> but yeah. um yeah there's there's a term for it. it's a third culture kid and that's somebody okay. that's you know the expats and the army brats as they're called that uh, from a very young age have just moved around and never had a very solid uh, base home base there there and that's why i'm very uh close to my family because those were really the only people that i had throughout my entire life my best friend uh my best friends are in cyprus or in new zealand which is you know this new zealand is a 17 hour flight away you know yeah. and i haven't seen him in years yeah so it's 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 quite difficult but in terms of acting and stuff it was very good uh, training we have the internet now so we can do things like this conversation oh right yeah exactly and keep keep friendships going over, overseas yeah. it, it is something like that you see with you know the top tier actors that something that separates them from the rest is the fact that they can pick up an accent flawlessly so i think you're in some good company you know with the russell crows and the um uh sam neils and the hemsworths and the hugh jackmans of, of a lot of world. australians there mate <laughs> i mean you know i am a little biased <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you're right. I mean, the Australian—it's it's, it's a hard accent yeah. because, like, the Americans struggle to do the Australian accent. Robert Downey Jr. can pull it off, and I'm sure Leonardo DiCaprio could do it, but others have tried and failed. You yeah, know? but a lot of Australian actors are some of my favorite actors are also Australian. Just the list you mentioned, um, Eric Banner as well. Yeah, Guy Pearce, and so you know, they just they very uh, Hugo uh, Weaving. Hmm. You know, they're all they're all just very good at that at completely changing their. Uh, persona and and accent and and just you know a bit like Gary Oldman just just these these yeah. uh, character actors it's, and I find that so fascinating. So how did you move from I guess an impressionist into an actor? Because uh, as you described it, it was a skill and it was um, a, a party trick, but it became so much more. And mm-hmm. it wasn't just that you were impersonating the voices from the videos I've seen, like the mannerisms and everything. You kind of encapsulated the whole person and i want to get into that a bit more but i guess what was it about impersonations that you think led to acting and what was that transition like well it's funny the transition was uh for my very first acting role was still an impression you know uh, age of adeline uh yeah <laughs> they 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 said you know okay give me that give me the grin and and you know do the voice and you know so and that was a lot of fun i mean that was everyone was just on the set was I was just doing that voice and, and a bunch of other voices and everyone was just having a great time. And, I guess it was uh, like you've just been at acting school for a while and they're saying go back to doing an impression. This, but, yeah, do once. your impressions, <laughs> you know. But it was funny because it was um, it was really a mix of of, of doing the because I had very little screen time and I spoke with the director, you know, uh, you know what what should we do? And he's like, okay, we'll just we'll figure it out on the day. And a lot, um, but but really 
judging by the crew's reaction, they were just really just, you know, just do the voice, you know. And it was really, like everyone, we were just having a lot of fun. Yeah. I guess for people that don't know or haven't seen it, you play the young Harrison Ford, like literally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I should have said that. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really fun because I remember going on that set and they dyed my hair and they straightened it because I've got very blonde, very curly hair. Um, and they, 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 they styled me up to look like Harrison. Um, and they, they played around with having the, ch- the chin scar, but they ended up not going with that. But my first day on the set, uh, you know, they were f- in the middle of filming a different scene and I walked on and everyone was like, oh my God, is that, oh my God, you know, <laughs> it was really, it was really funny. Um, and uh, a lot of people were saying to Harrison, you know, uh, they showed him a picture of me on they because they took reference photos and they, they um, I was told that somebody was talking to Harrison and they said, hey, Harrison, there's this great photo of you in high school or something. And, you know, Harrison was looking Harrison <laughs> looked at the photo. And was like, oh, I think that's a kid. You know, <laughs> so it was really it was really great. It was awesome. And, and of course, meeting him, that's of great. course, meeting him was just a yeah. childhood um, dream. Does it feel real? No, no. It felt it felt completely alien. I, I I was six years old, I think, when I saw Temple of Doom. Scared the pants off of me, but I I, I mm. just loved it, and I loved uh, Harrison so much. I thought he was amazing, and uh, yeah. he was really my hero. You know, meeting him was I never I didn't expect to meet him. I thought, you know, I, we don't have any scenes together, so I thought, okay, you know, I don't I don't think so. And he's a very private guy, and I, I didn't I didn't know if mm. I wanted to meet him because I thought, you know. You know, what if he, what if he didn't like me or what if I, you know. Yeah. What if he's a jerk? <laughs> well, you hear stories of people who, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that don't live up to what your expectations of them are. And, uh, I, of course, didn't want to want him to think, oh, I should have gone somewhere else. You know? Um, so, you know, it was very nerve wracking, but the crew was like, okay, we're filming his last day. Have you met him? And I said, no. I was like, do you want to? Yeah, but you know, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> they, they, they were very kind and they were, te- I, I, when I was filming my scene, they were behind the scenes texting each other and like, where's Harrison? Where's Anthony? We got to make this happen. Cause they wanted to see what would happen. Mm. What would his reaction be to meeting me? So, you know, he, he, he rapped, and then uh, they were walking out of that house where they filmed the movie in. And it was that party scene, you know, when they're doing the, the um, what's it called, the, the, the trivia game. That was his last scene to film. And then he rapped and everyone was clapping. And I was, you know, standing outside with this sea of people with their cameras because they were all like, oh, we've got to capture this. And I was shaking my boots like I couldn't really... I couldn't see like my vision was kind of blurry but I was like okay don't pass out don't make a fool of yourself be professional you know and so he he came he came out and he looks at the floor like I do when he walks he looks down and that's something that I do as well and so he he walks and then uh his uh assistant says hey hey Harrison this is Anthony and he looks up and he goes Oh, Anthony, I've heard about you. <laughs> and I just think, I just think, oh my God. And I'm, I'm standing there and I, I shake his hand and I say, hi, it's such an honor to meet you. I'm, I'm such a uh, huge fan. And, and, uh, you know, you, you were my inspiration to pursue acting. I was like, oh, thank you so much. You're a nice kid. You know? And he, but he was so, <laughs> so kind and so, um, gentle because I always saw him as an action hero or you know a a, a rough you know but he was such a sweet guy and so um and and you know we we took photos and and uh but it was amazing and then you know afterwards of course it hit me and I was just emotional wreck (laughs) but uh yeah it it was it was amazing and and I've got the photo hanging on my wall I think that's is that your Twitter photo still? Yeah, that's still. Oh, well. that's, that's one yeah. of them. They, they took a whole bunch, but that's one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. And was it just like a physical resemblance? People thought was was kooky, or just knowing that you do the impression so well, they wanted to see you guys together, the crew. Um, well, they they knew that I could do the mannerisms and the voice, and uh, yeah. you know the sort of facial uh, things. Like, there's definitely a physical resemblance, but I I, I turn it up. Because there's certain things that Harrison, I've noticed that he does in his films that, that, you know, is part of the impression. Same as with the Jack Nicholson impression. And that, that's always really fun. Cause I like to, I like to observe the physical qualities as well as not, not just the voice. Sure. But yeah, that was, uh, that was really surreal. Yeah. Okay. We'll get onto some more of Harrison and, uh, Indiana Jones specifically at, towards the end of this conversation, sure. if you have the time. Oh, yeah. Anthony, sure. Yeah. Because that's something that's very, uh, dear to me as well. Yeah. But yeah, I guess just that transition from, you know, obviously being a, a notable impressionist to, I guess, what you're doing now in um, other roles, such as the the, um, the John Doe character in Telltale and whatever other acting pursuits that you're 
getting into like what was it that you had to learn that uh has been like the hardest part of of transitioning from impressionist to i guess actor yeah. if there is a distinction yeah well i i still see impressions as acting i mean i think it, mm-hmm. it, it is i mean a lot of my favorite actors do amazing impressions you know it's, it's pretty it's yeah. pretty cool um but again uh with with the joker um it was still the same sort of thing with Age of Adeline, where I found out later that Telltale had seen my YouTube impressions of you know Nicholson and, and Heath Ledger and Mark Hamill, um, and and that was why they were very interested in seeing me because uh, I auditioned doing the three different impressions, um, but also my own take on the character uh, of what I thought you know my version would sound like. Um, so I submitted all four and I got the part and I couldn't believe it because I thought, you know, I, I, Troy Baker's in this game, you know, and this is a, this yeah. is a big game. <laughs> this is a big game. What are they doing? Yeah. What are they doing hiring me? You know, um, and Troy's done the Joker before. So you've got like, those- Troy did a brilliant, yeah. <laughs> brilliant Joker. Um, so it was very, uh, surreal and I, I, but I didn't know which, which Joker voice they'd landed on. So I assumed Mark Hamill. So I was sort of like, hello, I'm going to be talking like this all day, you know? And um, so I was sort of practicing that. But then I go into the studio and uh, I start, you know, talking like Hamill. And they say, wait, wait, what are you doing? What? And they're like, no, no, we want the original voice you came up with. And I thought, oh, you know, what? Uh, oh, oh, God, that voice. Yeah, what was it? So it was really, um, it was very uh, last minute as well because it was, they were already in production, way into production. Episode three had already come out. So I really was scrambling on my feet. And it was a very learn as you go, trying to figure out what to do because they also wanted me to tone everything down. So. They wanted me to tone the Joker voice way down and the laugh as well. Because I guess that was part of the character, like, evolving yeah, yeah. into the Joker, right? Yeah, Yeah, they really wanted him to be sort of medicated and uh, calm and not too, not theatrical. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a bit of a challenge because I really... Uh, from what I knew of the Joker, I sort of I sort of filled in my own thing of what how he should act and stuff. So this was very different. But the interesting thing between season one and two was that they changed the John Doe character dramatically as well. Like in season one, he's a very snarky, um, sinister, you know, creep, and uh, so that was kind of you know he wasn't a very likable character but then in season two they completely changed him again and and made him a very anxious um sensitive uh nervous guy and and for some that really helped me a lot because i was able to use a lot of my own insecurities and and things i was going through um in the performance because you know he was dealing with you know he, he wasn't just a you know, oh, look at me, I'm crazy. He was a, a guy with schizophrenia and, and paranoid, uh, you know. Uh, so I saw it not as playing the Joker, but playing it as a guy with mental illness um, and, and trying to get it authentic and trying to do, try to play him as a human being and, and somebody that could be seen more sympathetic and like a tragic character than just, you know, this villain, this comic book sure. villain. And uh, so that was very helpful because also, during the time one of my best friends in New Zealand had passed away so I was in a very emotional state and it, the, and the character demanded that kind of emotion so it was very uh, it was it was sort of healthy to help me deal with these feelings in a creative way and that was you know that was helpful also you know to to make it authentic but it was, yeah. also, it was pretty intense at times but yeah. Uh, yeah it's an intense character so I guess you have to draw on something to to it- you know, convey that. And I think you did an amazing job. I really do. Um, oh, thank you. We mentioned some of the names before of people who've portrayed the Joker. And to say that you're in the same conversation as them is one thing, but I think you really can hold a candle to, to those other performances as well with, oh. with what you were able to do with one of the more original takes on the Joker as well from what I've observed. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, well, I mean, the amount of people who have played the Joker amazingly is very high there's so many uh, amazing i mean i mentioned troy and 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 the the big three but also you know john dimaggio and um kevin michael richardson you know there's so many who have done such a brilliant job over the years it's very hard to play a character that's so well known and so iconic and then portray him differently 
mm. and that was that was very challenging. Also, it's my first voice job, so it was, yeah. it, was a, it was a big task. You know, I mean, my first job was to play Harrison Ford, and the second the second was to play the Joker. I mean, it, it's trial yeah. by fire, much, but uh, you know, I'm very grateful. And just imagine if you'd, um, you know if you'd ruined that character in some people's eyes, like, I don't know if you've had any negative feedback, but imagine just the amount of scrutiny that's on something like a DC property would be enormous. Oh, well, there is, there is uh, a lot of, you know, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of scrutiny over things. I mean, I was very pleased with the amount of people in season two who, who grew very attached to John Doe. And I got some really wonderful fan mail and, and wonderful messages from people that, were legitimately crying at the season finale, you know, and 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 feeling like they lost mm. a friend. And I had the same sort of feeling. It was very strange when season two wrapped. It did feel like I lost a friend. Like I was playing this guy for a year and a half, and uh, in season two, I really grew attached to him. And and it was. It sounds very cheesy, but it was it was sort of a guy that I sort of grew to know. And 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 you know, I poured a lot of myself into it. So. It was really, yeah, it was emotional, but mm. um, I was I was very happy that that people uh, responded so well to him and and critically as well, because it was it was a big risk on Telltale's part to to portray him in this way, uh, as opposed to just you know the, the the sort of anarchist or the the clown prince of crime, but to play him as a guy who's needs friends and stuff i mean it was on on paper i thought what yeah but but then you know it really it really worked it, i mean i was very yeah it was wonderful it did, so yeah. i was very grateful to telltale and and to the fan base for for giving me the opportunity yeah i think that's one of the things i like about the series is playing with those established characters and, and presenting them in ways that we haven't seen them before even with harley quinn and mm. and bane and obviously the whole portrayal of bruce wayne himself and his backstory yeah. is completely different yeah. to what we've seen before so that's uh really exciting to see them trying those things um i'm wondering like the because it's an episodic release is it something that you record over a really long period of time or, or is it done all at once and trickled out i well yeah there's a lot of rewrites and a lot of scripts and stuff and it did take it did take quite a long time to record everything over the course of, of over the course of a year i believe um so it's not all done in one big block, but uh, because I think I think I mean after after especially the the later episodes I couldn't talk, you know for for days afterwards I I, I spent uh, four and a half hours in a studio screaming into a microphone and 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 you know high pitched cackling and 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 you know and and it was very taxing but really was it was very therapeutic and cathartic to get that emotion out it was I was really calm outside of the studio because i was sort of i used up all that emotion and stuff in in so sitting in traffic and someone cuts you off i'm like you know what i'm going to save this feeling i'm going to use it later <laughs> you know <laughs> so it was, it was yeah it was good and is it a recording that's done in isolation are we able to spend some time with the people like troy baker and, and laura bailey uh unfortunately no I, I wasn't able to record alongside them but that is done sometimes but just with time because mm. uh, Tro Troy is also very busy but oh, I mean yeah. I would have loved I would have loved to have been in the booth with him uh, interacting with him one on one I think that would have been awesome mm. I mean the, the fact that it comes up with such great chemistry between those two characters a testament to to you guys as voice actors I guess that it seems like you are <laughs> in the same room well I mean it was awesome because uh, Troy was um, Troy I remember when I was in Toronto I played Bioshock Infinite and I called my agent at the time, and I and I said, "Hey, uh, can I be a voice actor?" And she said, "So <laughs> no." I was oh, you know, <laughs> because it was really uh, Troy was one of my inspirations to pursue voice acting, um, and and to play alongside him and play a character that he he played, and of course meeting him in San Francisco, um, doing publicity with him was just. Mm. Yeah, that was that was also like meeting Harrison. I was just so you know, yeah. it was it was just surreal, but but also a very nice guy and very professional and very talented. I guess he's the the Harrison Ford of, of voice acting, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see him like I see him like the Leonardo DiCaprio of voice yeah. acting, like 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 that sort of. Um, 
but yeah, I like Harrison as well. But but yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a super talented guy. Very handsome too. Mm. Have to put that out there. Yeah, it's 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 disarming, <laughs> and he's very tall. He's, he's very tall. It was, oh, I was like, oh, like he's yeah. taller than me, and it was, and I was like, God, you know, like <laughs> aging in reverse as well. I think. Yeah, that's why I said like you know he's he's got that DiCaprio thing yeah. where he just sort of stays the same age forever. Mm. So. We've talked about two kind of big roles that you've had. I'm sure there must have been a lot of rejection along the way, as there is with, you know, most, or I have to assume every actor, especially young in their career, as you are. So what's that been like and how have you kind of found the energy to keep pushing through when, especially, I guess, in the earlier days, it seemed like it was a really long road ahead? Um, Yeah, I mean, I still deal with that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that, that, you know, it... it, um it is it is very disappointing and it, and it continues to happen to every every actor as they you know uh, but but there was a feeling I had as a child that this is what I have to do you know it has to be you know all or nothing and uh, even in Toronto when you know I was missing out on toothpaste commercials and things like that or or something you know and, and that was very difficult to take but. Um, I kept busy and I kept going and I kept putting my work out there. And if I hadn't done that, if I, if I, you know, just folded and said, you know, okay, you know, screw this, I'll, I'll do something else. Um, I wouldn't have gotten the offer to do age of Adeline or the Joker. Like I decided to have something online, some representation of what I can do that would be public and that would be accessible. And I'm very glad that I did that because, um, without those two things, I wouldn't have anything on my cv really um i wouldn't have gotten any kind of exposure at all you know i'd just be a name in a book and there's you know billions billions well millions of people well maybe billions probably that uh you know want to be actors and stuff so there was something that i needed to put myself in the in the spotlight a little bit and you know thankfully i did that absolutely i mean if the worst case scenario was that you could never do anything again like you probably have many great aspirations and and dreams but i think like having those two major roles under your belt it would be a a pretty amazing thing to to have for the rest of your life it's a great start yeah i was i was i remember thinking when i got the age of adeline i just thought you know there's photos of me when I'm six, dressed up like Indiana Jones, and if I was to go back in time and say to that kid, "Hey, you know, one day you're going to meet him and you're going to play him in the movie," what would my reaction be? You know, or you know, that's it's 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 really it's very surreal, and I'm very very lucky in that in that way. Very cool. So I guess one of the things with uh, auditioning in and of itself is you're trying to stand out from others. So how do you go about doing that? Well, that's a million dollar question. I don't, <laughs> you never know. You never know what the casting director sure. wants. Um, you know, but because I, for for Harrison, for the age of Adeline, I knew that just do your Harrison. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 your trump card. For the Joker, I really didn't know. I I, I thought, okay, well, like you know, I I can do these impressions, so I'll just attach that, just so they can see that you know I'm also a big fan, and it's something that I can do because you know it's some something that I've enjoyed. Um, and then thinking to myself, like, okay, you know, you've known this character for, for since you were a kid. You know, what what do you think he sounds like? Like, like when, if he's not Hamill, what do you think he sounds like? You know, if he's not Ledger, you know, what what could he sound like? And that was the that was that was the thing that I sort of thought of. And I really I had I had a day to come up with that, and then I decided to submit it immediately, and then just sort of forget about it. Um, and, and so I really sort of tried to think about that and I didn't really know, especially in season one, I was sort of trying things out and, uh, and of course it was all subdued as well. Uh, but in season two, I sort of, yeah, I was able to take that seed and, and, and really when he, one of my favorite things was how different he was from all the other jokers and that, that, that the anxiety thing that I talked about was very, uh, original to this character. I don't. You know, we've we've seen like the Dark Knight Returns kind of Joker, where he's more coma, like he's almost in a coma, but uh, but we've never really seen that kind of insecure Joker before, and that was something that I really liked and and uh, was able to use. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a grounded version of of this thing, like we're we're used to seeing this super villain and having no idea how they got there, but we kind of see that here. Yeah, it's it's almost like an origin story, but what I liked as well is that it didn't give away too much yeah. of his origin because he's still I still don't know 
how he looks the way he does. It was never explained. Um, because in season one, I thought I didn't, I didn't know what he would look like. So I, I assumed like John Doe, I thought, okay, he's going to have, you know, brown hair and this is going to be the Jack Napier before he falls into the chemicals. But then I saw it and he's like, oh, he's already in the chemicals <laughs> apparently. So my own like fan theory is that he, uh, fell into the chemicals years ago before he went into Arkham and, but he had amnesia. And then, and so that 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 Joker pers- personality was part of him, part of the amnesia. But because he he actively the John Doe personality, the other side of his brain wants to be a good guy. But then he's wrestling with it's a bit like Two Face. Yeah. But then he's wrestling with the Joker. And then depending on how you treat him, that personality is going to come out. Which one? Um, that's my own sort of theory. Yeah, and could be true. Yeah, we'll see. Fan, fan theory could be true. Hopefully, uh, we can find out more in in future seasons. That's that's my hope, anyway. Yeah, mine too. I I really hope so. Yeah. Uh, so, what would you say has been the greatest challenge to get where you are today? Just the the realities of wanting to be an actor. You know, um, it's 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 something that requires a lot of persistence and um, ambition. And, and really hard work, but also a lot yeah. of luck. You know, I got in, incredibly lucky twice. Um, and that is something that is, is, yeah, yeah, you can't really bank on luck, you know, and that's, uh, it's very, very um, draining. And, and, and uh, you're dealing with the disappointment and the, um, the sort of, you take things on very personally as well. Um, you know, with, with rejection and things like that. And that's very difficult to, to go on like any job, I guess. But, but, um, when you sort of put yourself out there in, in a performance or something, and then it, it's rejected, it can be very disappointing, especially if you see something that you really want mm-hmm. and then you don't get it. That's, that's that. And, 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 you know, especially early on when that is all you get, you know, that's, that it's very easy to fold. But, um, I think, you know, wanting something that bad and and um having the the ambition and the talent to to try to go for it is you know what you really need fundamentally if you if you don't want it bad enough i don't think it works i don't think it happens but um yeah there is also the luck element (laughs) so and you can't uh you can't force that can you no well i don't know i mean monkey like a little rabbit's foot and you know all these you buy you stockpile all these charms but uh no no you gotta be lucky yeah and what would you say would be your advice uh on that to people who are trying to break through the way you have i think my best advice would be the opposite of the advice that i got don't delete your youtube channel because i got that advice by somebody um before i got age of adeline and if i'd listened i wouldn't be talking to you right now and i'd probably wouldn't have this career and uh so yeah i think i think your your best advice is to find your strengths and make it public um try to really try to uh, uh promote your own yourself try to promote yourself try not to rely too much on other people doing it for you because i think you're your own best publicist and and uh yeah i think i think that perseverance you know and yeah I'm, but i mean it's it's hard but i mean i'm still i'm still very new to all this so i'm not really i'm i don't have a wealth of knowledge to impart upon the young kids you know but uh yeah, yeah. i mean you're probably where a lot of people want to be despite not being maybe where you want to be necessarily in terms of the, the gigs that you're picking up like i think people that are just starting out would especially relate to to what you've been able to achieve so far yeah um um i mean everyone sort of starts in the same place i suppose unless mm. you're you know the son of a casting director or something you know, unless yeah. you have that 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 edge but yeah everyone sort of starts in the same way and something that i found really encouraging was a lot of actors that i admire you know harrison ford they started later you know um michael kane mm. clint eastwood they all they all got their start when they were you know late 20s early 30s or or even later you know samuel L. jackson i think was 40 and and ricky gervais you know all these big success stories yeah. they, they didn't all they weren't all child stars so you know it can take a while but um, you know That's that, right. and that was encouraging for me. I made a list of actors that I really admired that started later, like Michael Caine. You know, Michael, like, like most most of the guys that I do impressions of, actually, pretty much all of them. You know, they <laughs> all funny. they all started they all started later. Yeah, I, I do like that fact. Um, 
a lot of people I see on, on social media are kind of freaking out about turning 30 or whatever it is. And I like to, you know, remind them as I re- reminded myself when I turned 30 last year that Harrison Ford was 35 before anyone knew who he was. So, you know, you've got, you've yeah, got time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not 30. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's not really, I've still got two years to go until I hit 30, but well, you've got seven years on, on uh, yeah. Harrison Ford then. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's another thing. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, that, that list of actors and stuff, that's just really encouraging to, to see that it's not like, oh, I haven't made it by the time I'm 25, so it's not going to happen. You know, it, it can, you know, it can happen tomorrow or it can happen in a couple of years, you know? And, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a funny thing. Like we, you're talking a lot about the impressions, and that's actually where I first came across you. It, it must have been one of the Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford, Sean Connery impressions, maybe five years ago. And you know, I didn't mm. memorize your name or anything, but this is a huge coincidence. For some reason, I thought I remembered that video. I looked it up. I watched it, and then the same week, I saw you on the Game Over Greggy show, which I'm a huge kind of funny fan. <laughs> And they were talking, I was like, I didn't recognize the name, but as soon as they started talking about you, I was like, I know this guy. <laughs> what? He's, he's like, he's the Joker. Cause I'd already played Batman oh, really? t- first season. And I was like, wow, that is such a huge coincidence. I cannot believe that of all the impressionists on YouTube, the one that I felt really drawn to was yours. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Harrison Ford, but like you said before, there were some mannerisms there that just blew me away, whether it was like the incredulous grin um, <laughs> responding to, you know, his dad asking him what he wants to talk about in that blimp scene. Yeah, yeah. Like just as, as someone who's a huge fan of those those films, I just thought, yeah, you really were like honing in on some of those details. Yeah, I think it's from, you know, from the childhood of just watching those, those films all the time because that was my childhood, you know, watching those movies and and watching those actors and you know same with the joker like grew up with hamill and heath and jack and stuff and then you just yeah i don't know i i I do that as well i have a girlfriend as well and i sort of mimic her as well it's it's, it's like little (laughs) little personality traits and things that i notice that most people like well not most people but uh, that some people don't really pick up on and and it's it's really Mm -hmm. cool to sort of be able to see that and then and then incorporate that into the impression that's really yeah, I really enjoy doing that. Yeah, it's those small things I think that you know separate an impressionist from someone that's kind of just good at doing one line or something. Like you're doing these whole scenes, and every second person you meet has the Christopher Walken impression, but you hear a good one, and it's like, oh wow, that that guy's actually found something there. <laughs> yeah, I the thing is that I've I, Christopher Walken, I can't I can't do him really. <laughs> like not not in a way that because everyone I say like oh I do impressions like oh do Christopher Walken I'm like um. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's not on my wheelhouse, really. Yeah, but like, uh, but everyone sort of does him. But yeah, I've never really been able to. Well, not a lot of people do Harrison Ford, so you found your niche and the, yeah. your first gig. So yeah, well done. So I'll ask you the final question that I ask everyone, and then we can go on to talk about my favorite film of all time. Okay, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> okay. Anthony, if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Oh, wow. Um, I think I would start my own production company that would develop uh, AAA games and movies and TV shows and things like that and just cast um, friends of mine and other actors that are struggling to get a break in the industry just because I know how hard it is. And there's a lot of very talented people that I know that... uh, you know, are, are struggling to find, um, to get the break that I did. And it's, I just think it's important to kind of support each other. And I think it'd be really awesome just to work with my friends and, and make something really, really cool. Yeah, fantastic. Is there a dream, is there a dream, uh, film project or acting gig that you'd love to be part of? Uh, um, well, I really on my bucket list is to do uh, full motion capture voice acting you know, like Andy Circus kind of stuff. Um, that would yeah. be amazing. I would love to do that. There's a, seems to be a lot of opportunities for that in like the big video games, like the AAA. Yeah, games. yeah. I would love to break into that as well and just do a mm. full motion uh, capture performance for you know big big 
triple a game that would be definitely one of my things yeah i think uh having troy baker's phone number if you do would be a, a good start to that <laughs> i just yeah i was toying with the idea of for publicity of leaving him voicemails as john doe <laughs> like at the end of, like at the beginning of episode five yeah. but i thought no that's probably not a good idea oh, sounds like but, a great idea yeah i thought it would have been funny yeah. but but he yeah i i don't know him well sure. enough if I could get away with it. He seems to have a good sense yeah. of humor. No, no, he's a really nice guy. Sure. Yeah. So let's get into what I really want to know from you. What makes The Last Crusade such a great film? It is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, I'd say it's up there with me as well. Um, I'd say it's probably the dynamic between Sean Connery and Harrison. I would say that. Um, yeah. The father-son aspect. Uh, and yeah. also, it's it seems to be more lighthearted and it, and more of an adventure than the other ones, um, especially Temple of Doom, which was more of a horror film. But uh, yeah, I'd say it's it's definitely the sort of lighthearted, you know, the the theme yeah. song and everything is just so um, rousing. Is is the word? Um, it really is. Yeah, I think it's great. People often say that Raiders is the best of the trilogy, but I'll defend The Last Crusade till like my dying breath because <laughs> I feel like it's such a, a more fully formed character that we get to see in that film. We get mm. a backstory, we get motivations besides treasure hunting. Uh, we get to see, you know, where he came from, why he is the way he is. And that fleshed out character makes it so much more engaging and i think like you mentioned with the the father-son dynamic every one of my favorite scenes is a conversation whether it's um sitting in the motorbike before they go back to germany yeah whether it's um the two of them tied up in the chairs together before setting the place on fire whether it's the two of them on the blimp just talking and i, mm -hmm. I think that those two characters and i guess those two actors are so they're such huge personalities and, and they do such a great job of, of making it believable. Yeah, it's the chemistry as well. They, they just play off each other so well. And it's such a, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I, I would say it's my favorite of the quadrilogy or soon yeah. to be. What's five? Is it anthology? Is, is it is, Quinn? Yeah. Quinn. What's, an an, what's an anthology then? What is that? An anthology is like a Black Mirror where every episode is unique i guess oh i see okay yeah or like twilight Zone or something like that oh, uh, that's my understanding yeah I, I, it <laughs> sounds a bit like anthony anthony oh, it's weird <laughs> but um yeah I, I would say it's it's my favorite out of them just because it's it's lighthearted and it's very warm and it's kind of like a feel-good thing it's, except the 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 part that scared me was when the guy turns into a skeleton when he drinks the, the grail. Yeah. Donovan. It's scary. That's scary. They all have, yeah. they all have, they all have that moment, you know, moment, like the yeah. face is melting and then, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's part of the formula. <laughs> it's gruesome. Yeah. They're the, the bits that I remember as look away at this part, son. You're not allowed yeah, to watch yeah, this. Yeah, don't yet. watch this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to know as someone that's, you know, got Harrison Ford very near and dear to you. Mm -hmm. how you feel about these ideas that are being mentioned a lot of the series continuing without him after whatever the next movie is spielberg's talked about doing more indie films without harrison ford maybe you know a couple of years ago they were talking about recasting a younger um actor to play him and then he's spielberg's just throwing out this idea of a female indiana jones as well so yeah i'm curious what you think as a huge fan of not only harrison but the series oh i've i haven't heard about the female harrison uh indiana jones yeah oh wow yeah, he said uh, we'd have to call her Indiana Joan. I think that was kind of a, a dad joke there, but uh, Indiana Joan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, all I heard was that he was going to do the fifth one, um, which would be, I mean, if you've, I mean, he did the Force Awakens and he was really good in that, so you know, I think it could work. Mm -hmm. And he just did. I just saw Blade Runner uh, 2049, and that was uh, I saw it in the theater twice. And uh, that was my favorite film of the year. It was brilliant. Um, so I think he's definitely got it in him still to do another one. Uh, but as so far as recasting it or moving on, I don't know. You know, they, but they, they would do it anyway. You know, they're they're going to do it anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I would look forward to seeing another uh, Indiana Jones with Harrison in it. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Me too. A lot of people will say um, Crystal Skull was so bad they need to just stop. But I have that sense that 
um, there's some redemption there that needs to happen. <laughs> um, and I think that we're in an age now where we've seen what J.J. Abrams did with episode seven of Star Wars and how that focus on practical effects and being true to the originals has kind of come around so much compared to, I guess, the era we were in with Crystal Skull. And I guess it was like just after those, the Star Wars prequels as well. Mm. And the two series are, are tied in many ways with the George Lucas connection, I think. But yeah, I feel like they can definitely end it on a high note rather than what we had with Crystal Skull, which I don't hate like many people mm. do, but it, it definitely didn't capture the magic of the trilogy, did it? Uh, I didn't I didn't hate it. I, I was... 18 or something when I saw it in in, in mm-hmm. Cyprus in the theater and uh, I, I enjoyed it because simply for the fact that I'm seeing an Indiana Jones movie in the theater you yeah. know that was a new thing for me and uh, yeah. yeah but it was definitely different sci-fi but I saw it more as in the original three were the sort of 1930s pulp adventure and then this one was you know in the 50s which was sci-fi and those sort of campy um, low budget, um, you know, them and they live or, you know, no, they live was that 80s film. But, um, you know, those, you know, it came from the swamp, like those sort of movies. Yeah, and so sure. I sort of see it like that, like a campy, fun sort of film. I, I guess it was like the, the special effects and the use of the green screen and that kind of thing that for a lot of people made it feel less like one of those classic films. And that's kind of unavoidable these days with the way that films are made. But I think, like I mentioned, episode seven did a great job of combining the practical effects with uh, what we can do now with CG. Yeah, balancing it. Yeah, yeah. I prefer I prefer practical just because like you know, and what a workshop seeing the practical effects was very yeah. It's just there's something because it's there. You know, it's actually you can see it. You know, and and uh, it's got a weight to it. You know. Um, and that 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 that's really cool. It's like authentic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for talking Indiana Jones with me, Anthony. Thanks for indulging. Yeah, me. man, that's alright. And uh, thank no, you so cool, much man. for sharing your story. It's uh, a, a really amazing story to go from doing impressions of Harrison Ford to being paid to act in a movie with him, and then what we've seen with uh, everything we've covered in the Telltale Joker game. I hope there's a lot more to come from you, and I'm sure that there will be. Oh, thank you so much, man. Thanks for uh, having me. It was great talking to you. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Audio Technica. You can find today's guest over on Twitter at Anthony Inkruber. Make sure you don't miss Telltale's second season of Batman with Anthony's amazing performance as the Joker. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider a rating and review in iTunes, or if you really enjoyed it, you can pick up some awesome putting in work merchandise over at 8bit.net slash P-I-W-A-T-E-B-I-T. The show is part of the 8-Bit Network, so while you're over there, check out the rest of the awesome content from the 8-Bit Podcast Collective. You can catch me over on Twitter at Jono himself, and until next week, keep putting in work.